No crying. There's no crying in baseball. card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. What's up, friends? Welcome to episode number 22 of Terrace Talk, uh, where the first place Brewers, um, 53 and 39 at the All-Star break. Uh, we're rolling, boys. We uh, we missed uh, the pod week. Things have been hectic with the Bucks. Schedules are strange. Um, but uh, even though we lose three going in the all-star break, we got to feel pretty damn good uh, where we're sitting right now, 53 and 39 at the all-star break. Boys, how we doing? Good, man. Uh, it feels good to finally get back to the pod. I know the Bucks have kind of thrown a wrench in things with uh, our consistency, but we'll be back once the uh, Bucks win the chip. Um, but <laughs> feels good to be feels good to be at top of the central. That's for sure. 100%. I mean, not that percentages matter, but just to give our listeners some perspective, Fangraphs has the Brewers playoff percentage at 83%. Um, it was actually up closer, probably to 90 before uh, the Reds took three out of four. But yeah, all things considered, I think all of us would take exactly, or I mean, we weren't expecting to be this good, I don't think, or have this much of a division lead. Uh, 14 games over 500 at the break. Um, you know, wrote a 11 game win streak up to the last week of the all-star break or right before the all-star break. So all things considered, that was a very pleasant first half for the boys. Yeah. And four games. I mean, obviously you dropped three in a row kind of sucks because we could have really stuck a fork in the division, um, lose three really close games, very poorly umpired games. Um, not saying that they were the difference in any of those nights, but it was the, the ump show in Milwaukee over the weekend. That's for fucking sure. Council put it council put it perfectly when he said, you know, we have a lot of guys that are typically pretty quiet that are speaking up, getting thrown out of games. Yelich, obviously, uh, one of them, you know, it's frustrating. Um, and it was both ways. Joey Gallo, too, or Joey Gallo, Joey Votto um, got tossed, too. It was just kind of one of those series where you never want the umps to be the story. I think uh, our man Tom tweeted that uh, you never want the umps to be the story. And they very much were the storyline in that four game series. Um, yeah, that was kind of the sour taste in the mouth because it literally felt like we had a chance to bury the division yeah. before the break. Um, if we would have took three, even if we would have took three out of four from Cincinnati, would have been you know seven games up at the break. Um, it would have been nice, but you know, baseball is never never easy, and you go you you ride the wave. So, um, looking forward to the start of the second half. Yeah, and obviously you have uh, you have the best closer in baseball kind of struggle for the first time all season. Um, in back-to-back games that were winnable ball games, um, but 
you know, it wasn't going to be perfect all year. So, you know, we'll, we'll take the lumps, recover. Um, Brewers now have five all-stars um, with some of the reserves replacing guys. So pretty cool. I think the last three full all-star game years, um, the Brewers have had five all-stars, which is pretty awesome being the, the small market of Milwaukee. So uh, I, have a, I have a little, before we kind of get into one more kind of just general recap name one player who surprised you um in the first half it could be good or bad just take one player to that kind of surprised you i think this is an easy one but on base jace i'm actually looking at his numbers right now uh he's the third ranked hitter on our team um just based off like advanced stats uh wrc is 128 ops is 822 and his obp is 385 so I'm his Jace just doing his job. I mean, I know we kind of made fun of him last year a lot, but uh, dude just sees a ton of pitches, kind of similar to Vogie, but uh, I feel like he's got to be on everyone's surprise board. Yeah, dude, he's been awesome. I mean, he's he's just a ball player. I think last, year he, last year he was like our most picked on guy too. We're like Jace Peterson's in the fucking lineup. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Now when I see him in the lineup, I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. I think we just kind of <laughs> threw him in that hodgepodge of the KBO guys of like Ryan Healy, who I think got cut by his KBO team, Justin Smoke, like Jed Yurko, just a, turned into a coach. Like he, we, we threw Jace maybe unfairly into that, uh, into that grouping. Oh, you, you mean you mean our four hitter in an elimination game against the Dodgers, Ryan Healy? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I think Jace was in the conversation in the beginning of the year when he was struggling before he, I think, got DFA'd in his first stint. Um, Jace was part of the three men at the bottom, which might have been the worst, like, six, seven, eight, when we had uh, Tim Lopes, Jace Peterson, and I can't think of who the third was. Who was the third? It was Wiffle. It was Dave. Oh, yeah, Wiffle. Like, we were rolling we have, a, we have a moment of silence for, for <laughs> Wiffle's DFA. It's, no, it's it's Justin Turner 2.0 that we DFA'd. My God. I know if times are tough in February when you're a beat writer, but, I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> Next February, I don't need a, a quadruple A lifer comp to Justin Turner just for the hell of it. <laughs> Who literally swings a wiffle ball bat. Honestly, quadruple A is generous for, for uh wiffle, to be honest. <laughs> What's quadruple A? Just like a guy that's just like up and down major leaguer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess guy that surprised me. Um, I mean, I, I got to go with Willie. I mean, he's just, completely changed the team and I guess he wasn't even on the team to begin with so I don't know how obviously it's a surprise because we didn't have him <laughs> but he's already at a, a three war um and he's just been unbelievable since the Brewers acquired him uh attitude um performance key clutch moments um he's he's the man so uh and then I'll go negative side too and um Mitch Lidke has kind of been whispering this on Twitter as of late, but uh, just getting very so-so Christian Yelich, um, the walk king, never not driving the ball, the worst first-round fantasy pick of all time. <laughs> I literally had a, a meme created where it was the text message meme, and it would have been David Stern's texting 
RB8, and it was at 2 a.m., you up, we need a left fielder, but I didn't post it because I think Yelich ended up hitting like a sharp single his next AB. If he would have struck out oh. or flew out, that would have got tweeted from the Harris Talk uh, account, so. <laughs> yeah, I hate slandering him. Um, and it's not even, sl- I mean, he's a totally fine player, but I mean, you've made this point many times when you're Milwaukee and you're paying $29 million to a guy, uh, you kind of need more than 240 batting average with five home runs. Um, obviously, he's he's still taking his walks. Um, but, you know, the last week he was he was sitting at like an 815 OPS for a while. I mean, he's down at 760, 765 right now. Um, there's guys like Luis Urias that has been more productive. Um, and it's, it's just kind of crazy. Uh, there is a little bit lower OPS, I guess, but in the same wheelhouse of like average OPS, I don't know. Those two guys shouldn't be in the same sentence really. <laughs> yeah. So. I'll run this out. I'll run this out quick for kind of my surprise. Um, and he has been arguably our best hitter from start to finish. Um, and I, I won't touch too much on his offensive numbers, but that's, that's Omar, um, all-star Omar, yeah. thankfully all-star Omar. But the one thing I want to point out and the reason why he's literally trending to like a six war player is the defensive change that he has made since coming to Milwaukee. So just for, um, you know, our listeners perspective, when he was with the White Sox and with Seattle, he was arguably the worst defensive catcher in baseball. I mean, you look at some of his advanced numbers as DRS was like negative 14, negative 18, negative seven. His framing in Chicago was like negative two, negative 10, negative 10.4. Those are really bad numbers. So far this year, his DRS is up to two with a framing of 3.9, which is arguably has him as one of, he's probably a top three defensive catcher. Um, and now that offense is kind of coming around. So the change that Omar's made defensively, and now he's kind of found that bat. I mean, we literally have a top three catcher in baseball right now that we traded for a comp pick. Um, and I think Adam Hill was in the other guy. So um, Omar has just been an absolute pleasant surprise and a steady bat in this lineup um, from start to finish. So he's pretty much been my guy that's, that's stuck out. Um, and then, yeah, you know, on, on the flip side, obviously, um, Christian has just, he's disappointed. I mean, he's, he's been a good two hitter because he walks so much, but Hanson, you hit the nail on the head. It's like when you're giving a guy 230 million in a small market, you can't afford to, um, not have somewhat of that, you know, op- high OPS kind of guy. I think we're not expecting him to be second half 2018, but I don't think there's any reason why Christian can't be hovering around a 900 OPS. Yeah, I just feel like he's not making enough contact. Um, he's striking out a lot, I think. Uh, but, like, if you look at his baseball savant page, this is why it's confusing, man. Like, his max exit velocity and his hard hit percentage are dark red, like 93rd percentile. Um, chase rate, 97th. Walk rate, 99th, obviously. He's fast as shit still, 87th percentile for speed. Like, the – he, he's whiffing a ton. Um, he's in the 20th percentile with whiff percentage and 16th for K. So it's just putting the bat on the ball. I know Buss has said a couple of times, like he just seems like a tick off and he, he just need, if he makes more contact, I mean, he's crushing the ball when he, when he hits it, <laughs> but he's just striking out way too much right now. Yeah, no, it kind of looks like the ball's just getting deep on him. Like, I mean, they're attacking him like up and in. I mean, kind of like kind of similar to Keston. Um, 
but I feel like we've seen Yelich hit, hit like those up and in balls 450, like his entire career with Milwaukee. So I don't know if he's just surprised or what, but yeah, shit, if, I, that, if that back injury or his knee, or if it's just something that's like mentally still kind of hanging with him, where he's afraid to really transfer his weight on that front foot but it just seems like something's off. It's like when you see pitchers hanging middle, middle sliders to him and he's like following them off or swinging and missing. It's like, that's not the guy that we're used to seeing. Yeah. And he had one of those uh, one-on-one Andy Haynes hitting sessions on what was that Saturday or was that Friday? Either one of those days. Um, We thought we were going to pop off after that. Uh, He still was pretty quiet in the red series. Um, but, you know, he's, he's an easy guy to root for. I mean, I, I think we can expect a big second half for him. Uh, he's pretty hard on himself. He was like, yeah, man, it's been like 400 at-bats now, uh, and I've just been straight up shitty. Like he, quote for quote, like said that he's been shitty. So I he maybe he's pressing. He knows he got the bag and uh, is putting too much pressure on himself. Who knows? But uh, I think we can expect – hopefully expect way bigger things in the second half of the season for him. And honestly, getting this week off too um, with, you know, the injury bug that he's had the early on in the season, and then finally getting to play every day, the last month plus um, hopefully this, you know, five, six days off does, does him well. Yeah. I was just going to say this, this break's going to be nice for him to go back to Cali, hang out with his mom, shout out her. Um <laughs> Shout out Cooper. Shout out. I know. What's the dog? Yeah, I think the dog's name is Cooper that you always book pictures with. Yeah, just just chill on the couch, watch the derby, watch the all-star game, watch Freddie shove. Just just take just take it easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then another thing that happened in our uh hiatus from the pod, um, the Brewers traded for a first baseman. Uh, who knows if he's the the answer and it might it definitely won't be their last move before the deadline here um, in 18 days, but the Brewers send Trevor Richards, uh, who we just got from the Rays and minor league righty Bowden Francis, who was uh, throwing the ball pretty well for the sounds and triple a for Rowdy to So I guess what are your guys' uh, initial thoughts on, uh, on big Rowdy, obviously a plus name from him um what else we got any analysis on this one i mean i don't have much other than that is a sick name (laughs) i know uh i mean it's gonna be great when it's like uh late in the season when everybody's chanting his name i know we heard that in the cincy series a little bit and i thought for sure he was gonna hit that walk-off bomb but he ended up striking out unfortunately but uh i don't know i feel like david david stern's at it again flipping kind of these middle tier relievers um show that they can be productive, um, get outs, and then uh, flip them for something else because, I mean, relievers are pretty expendable. So just David doing his thing. Yeah, and and Rowdy has shown success, I think, was it last year? I know it was limited, but he had a north of a 800 OPS. Um, Like you said, this this feels a lot like the Vogelbach move when Seattle DFA'd him where they're, like, trying to bring a lefty bat in. But – It'll be interesting because, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it later in the podcast about trade deadline targets. I still think they could add a consistent corner bat, whether it's first or third, some guy that can play there every day, regardless of righty-lefty matchup. So it'll be interesting. I know Rowdy has a 
option left. So that's good. I mean, Keshton does too. So I don't think this is like a short stint, especially with giving up Richards, but um, yeah, it felt like they were just kind of hoping the change of scenery lefty bat in AmFam would, would work. I guess we'll see how it plays out because, you know, Vogelbach took a while to get going and, you know, he's got DRS value. But yeah, it was just another one of those those Stearns moves where he has no problem flipping relievers, um, which I feel like we're going to add a couple relievers um, yeah. here over the next couple of weeks. So. And obviously, like the emergence of Sanchez, Cousins, and even Hunter Strickland, who has been awesome uh, since he's come over from Anaheim. Um, it's kind of crazy. Dude. The Angels just can't hit on pitching ever. <laughs> Goes from he's he kills it on the Rays, gets traded to the Angels. He gets shelled, DFA or traded for what? What do we even trade for Hunter Strickland? I don't even know. I think it was uh, just cash. Cash, yeah. Cash considerations, yeah. Stearns, we're gonna do saw something from across the country, um, and he, he's he's been awesome, man. <laughs> so shout out to uh, to David Stearns there. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting too. I think naturally, like the Telez Hira like one hits left one hits right but I think they both have like reverse splits if I'm not mistaken I think I read that somewhere so um Council and Stern said it won't be a strict platoon honestly I, I think it just might be like you're gonna play the hot hand uh whoever can get going both of them seem to be streaky players so um you know if Keston gets hot before Rowdy we'll roll with him I don't think they have uh any idea exactly who was going to play there every day like what are they going to sorry go ahead go ahead no you go ahead buzz yeah like what are we going to do when vogie comes back because he's probably when did they say he was going to be out till i think it was like six weeks maybe yeah and what is it we're at like week three week three or four it's probably probably coming up pretty quick because you're not going to keep vogie and telez on the roster there's no show uh i think another reason classic stern's here too is he has options remaining Yep. Yeah, good point. Um, good point. So, I mean, who knows? It's still a month plus out, right? Um, it, am I mistaken on the time period there? Is it sooner than that? I'll try and look it up quick, but yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I mean, you think we got a month to figure out, maybe more injuries happen, but you're right. I mean, Travis is still on the team too. He has, He's trying to return like mid-August, I think, because um, he was on the 60-day. I think he's like eligible to return like August 7th or something. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting kind of what they do with that, uh, the log jam that they kind of created. Especially if they trade for a bat that's consistent in the lineup, whether it's third or first, I think Travis would probably be the odd man out as much as that breaks my heart. Like, yeah, yeah. for him. But yeah, I, I think Telaz would get uh, option. The fact that he has an option, they would, they wouldn't get unless, unless he's like, unless he's killing it. Right. Mm-hmm. But if he's just run of the mill, meh. Um, I would assume that he's the, the guy that gets option, like you said. Yeah, because Colton's going to be back after the break, and Jace is going to keep getting at-bats. So, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's a good problem to have. There's, uh, yeah. a, I mean, classic, another Brewer thing, just depth all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, uh, that's good to see. Um, cool. I guess, uh, I don't know, do we want to recap the, the Red Series? Um. I don't know if we needed to go game by game, but maybe we can just talk about some of the specific highlights or moments that stuck out to us in specific games. If we jump around, I think that's okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I guess what's your, uh, 
Obviously, Josh Hader's struggling. Offense goes quiet. Um, but you guys have any major takeaways? And what? Well, let's talk about this. Uh, Christian Yelich when he got ejected. Um, there, I saw there was some debate in baseball Twitter uh, if the ump made the right call or not. And I guess uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that that call that was made? Yeah, I mean the rule the rule book is so gray. It's sort of like a plain like. It's sort of like if a runner makes an attempt to go to second base. So it's like, is an attempt two steps? Is it an attempt like a full turn in a run? Because he kind of just like shifted his weight to the left. Um, I don't think Yelly would have been as mad as he was, which he's never mad. If the ump went to kind of, he showed him up and rung him up like right in his face. I think that really pissed him off. Yeah. Um, and you knew it too. I just, I kind of had that feeling. Jonathan India was literally like just like smiling like a, mischievous like smirk um as he tagged them and i got the feeling as i was watching live that the ump was gonna ring him up i just knew it <laughs> you can always tell when an ump is going to like take over a play like that by how he just still sits there and stands and like doesn't like look away like the play is over like he was just standing there staring at christian like you knew he was almost like hinting at india he's like take him like take him he's gonna be out type thing and that was like my problem is like these judgment calls that are happening and like you can talk about the rule where while well, technically he shifted his weight and that's what the rule says at some point we need to just start bringing common sense into this stuff to say okay did he actually make a serious effort to go to second like these technical rules where it's almost just like I think a lot of people watching that, I, I would say based upon like the Twitter reactions that even non-Brewer fans, a majority of non-Brewer fans were still saying like he did not make any serious attempt to go to second base. Whereas like at that point, like I'm um, just being needs to be like, okay, like he's safe. Like it just kind of attacks the integrity of baseball. And there was another play that I've had a big time issue with because it seems like the Brewers continue to get screwed on this where it was like, Adamus on Sunday had stole second and his he was he beat the throw by like like three like three steps like it wasn't even close but because like his foot was kind of touching India's foot and when he popped up on the slide it's just naturally that his foot like lifted maybe an inch off of the bag and India still had the glove on him so they replayed it and they called him out at some point you just have to be like okay like common sense tells you he beat the throw he was on the bag but just because like naturally when you stand up like your foot's gonna lift up the MLB needs to do something about that like we just need to start having like like literally I think it's just common sense like okay you you watch that replay in, in slow morning like oh yep his foot lifted by an inch he, he's out like we just need to start being using some common sense with this stuff <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. it's happened to us before too yeah, that on top of the strike zones this weekend, I think on Friday, like when Hader, it was the first game of the series, struck out who to end the game, Winker, I think, um, actually benefited the Brewers, but that crew was abysmal um, all weekend long. Uh, each, every single one of those guys had a brutal strike zone. I know one of the days, like nine of the 10 most inaccurate calls of the night came from the Brewers-Reds game. It's like, how can you be that bad at your job? I just don't understand. Yeah, I think that was the game that Freddie pitched when he was throwing, what, six no-hit innings, and then he kind of lost it in the seventh. And that Castellanos also got wrong. Yeah, and the pitch before Castellanos hit that home run was like a nasty slider, and the 
lower end of the zone. It should have been strike three inning over Brewers or leading going into the eighth, but uh, called it a ball. And I mean, you could just feel it. I could feel it. As soon as he called it a ball, I'm like, fuck. It was 3 2. I'm like, this is not going to end well. And sure shit, it did not. Yeah. Yeah. So Brewers go one and three in that series. And then uh, they dropped two of three to the Mets, too. I mean, all these games throughout the week were pretty competitive, winnable games. I mean, they ultimately go two and five um, after winning 11 games in a row. Um, so kind of a disappointing week results wise, but I mean, Corbin against DeGrom, uh, that was a fun matchup early on in the week. Uh, both of them pitched well. Brewers actually hit a couple bombs. Luis um, hit a leadoff tank uh, and then on base Jace hit a bomb against DeGrom. I think the first time all year that he's given up two home runs in, in a game, which kind of shows you how dominant he's been. Um, but Burns looked sharp. Um, unfortunately, Jose fucking Peraza came in and clocked one off Josh. So I feel like he's got a couple. I feel like he's got a couple home runs off Josh. I don't. I have to look it up, but I feel like he has taken deep more than once. Yeah, he came off the bench. I think it was first pitch, high fastball, and just took him, took him way deep. Mm-hmm. That's that point, like tip your hat. Right, that's gonna happen with with Josh throwing a lot of fastballs, and I know he's been working on mixing things in, like guys are going to get lucky and find barrels. Like that's just the inevitability of it. And with as hard as Josh throws, if you hit a barrel on him at a good launch angle, more than likely that ball is going to find the seats. But there is something I do want to talk about that I think warrants a larger discussion because I think us as fans don't see eye to eye with council's decision-making when it comes to one guy in the bullpen. And that wasn't that DeGrom game when we had scored a run I think T-Rat clutched up or it might have been a hit by pitch actually yeah because Diaz couldn't find the zone he was crying about pitches eight inches off the plate which was absolutely laughable (laughs) Um, but going to Suter in extra innings when you're up a run and Suter not being a one strikeout guy or two ground ball guy um, just literally doesn't make any sense to me when you have other options in that pen that have a better strikeout rate or ground ball rate than Suter does. I don't, I don't understand the trust with Suter. He, to me, will always be a bridge guy for me. He's a guy when your starter's in trouble with pitch count or things like that, when you need someone to pitch the fourth, fifth, sixth innings, Suter's that role. He's not the, okay, you know, we're in a high leverage spot where we need strikeouts or we can't let runners move. Um, Suter's not that guy. And I, I get the whole, well, there was a lot of lefties in that inning. It doesn't matter. Suter doesn't strike. I mean, he's like, I know the numbers say he's like an average strikeout guy in terms of his percentage in K9, but it's still not his game. It's not his role. So I would like to see us going forward um, not using Suter in, in high leverage spots. To be honest, I thought you were going to uh, throw a fucking Boxberger out there because he's been kind of awful lately. I know he did load the bases or walk three straight, walk two, hit one, and then struck out the side. He's been really struggling lately, and I'm just not confident. Like he's gonna throw strikes, so it's always a grab your seat when he comes in. Uh, but I mean, I'm right there with you on Studer. Just I mean, like over the years, he's literally had that same designated role, like middle inning, up up like more than three or four, um, just get us through the next two, so we can get to our back end of the pen. I just don't understand what the what the new new 
move council is doing where he's throwing them up there in those uh, critical innings. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Boxberger is just bad optics because I I had to go up to bat for my guy Box here, uh, but he hasn't given up an earned run in his last five outings. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes he'll just straight up lose control. Um, but thankfully he founded that inning against the Mets because his year right now, I mean, Box has got a 2.87 ERA. So he's been solid. I mean, he's, he's been fine. I, I'd agree with you though. He, not a, t- a, like a ton of trust, like Josh and Devin, he's clearly a tick below those guys, but um, he's been fine. And then yeah, Suter, dude, I don't, I agree. I used to defend Suter, not going to lie. Um, just because you, you always do look back at the numbers and it's sneaky how he acquires um, all those numbers, but uh, let's leave it in the fourth through the sixth inning, please. That's, that's his sweet spot. So I went, I was kind of just talking on my ass a little bit there in terms of K percentage. He has the lowest K percentage in our bullpen and you bring him in in an extra inning game with a runner on second where you need strikeouts is the lowest strikeout percentage in the bullpen. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, not great. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, I think collectively as uh, as fans, the second everyone saw Suter go out there, the there was a giant eye roll amongst all of Milwaukee. It just seems so predictable, and of course, he can't find the zone. Remember his start against the Dodgers last postseason where he just, like, walked to, like, eight guys? I was tough to watch. I was tough to watch. <laughs> he was just so rattled. One thing that does kind of scare me is I feel like council's not going to use Josh and like tie games anymore in the ninth. Cause the last was the last two or three that he's given up were tie games and he ended up giving up a run. Can't remember if we were winning. No, we weren't winning. Were we? Uh, not the second one. It was tied. Yeah, no, they were both tied. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I feel like council is going to kind of be hesitant to put him out there now. Which it which he shouldn't definitely not, but just gets that. I know Council's pretty uh, uses hater pretty sparingly, so I don't know. Yeah, that would be something uh, interesting to watch for for next half. But yeah, it kind of sucks, man, losing two two Brandon Woodruff starts in the same week before the All Star break. Um, even Woody, I mean, the first game of that Mets series was cruising. Uh, and then he gave up like three hits in the same inning. All the guys came around to score. Um, nothing hit insanely hard, uh, but um, that was a tough one. Losing to Grom uh, when uh, we have the lead in the seventh inning um, of a seven-inning game. That's That one's tough. Uh, but then Brett Anderson comes out and uh, throws, throws four scoreless, unbelievable innings against the Mets. I mean, who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> I mean, can we, him and Eric Lauer, dude. Um, how did Lauer do his last start? He pretty well, pretty fine, right? Yeah. yeah. That was did. Friday night on YouTube. Yeah. I saw people bitching about the YouTube thing. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> my issue with it, before you guys go, my issue with it, I, I was totally fine. Friday nights are tough because it's tough for bars to get the game on. Yeah, that's true. And I think just to add to it too, I think us as Brewer fans are so spoiled with our FSN or our Bailey sports crew that 
that anyone else to us sounds like a downgrade. And like outside of the dynamics of, you know, bars and different things like that from a YouTube perspective. But I think anytime we don't have BA or our man rock or even LaPay or just any of the guys that have been filling in there outside of Dillard, if we ever with Dillard on it, we just, you know, I'm would rather just listen to the game on mute. Um, <laughs> it just feels like it's always a downgrade. Nothing. Yeah. Great, great Twitter personality, but the dude does not belong on TV. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree more with you on that. I um, feel like, uh, sorry, I'm just going to add to the YouTube, YouTube no, thing. Good. I think it's just, they kind of get caught up in being like an, cause it's like a national production, obviously, and trying to show the game to more people across the United States, but they just get caught up in like the interviews and like all the extra shit. So like, you'll have like split screen and you can't even see the fucking strike zone. Big shout out. We got, we got flex to a Sunday night game though. So I'm glad the national will be on national TV for once. I think the white Sox. Burns Giolito coming at you. Yeah, and then that Sunday night against the uh, the White Sox, um, be a lot of fun. I mean, fifty four and thirty five, they're in first place. They're running away with the AL Central, um, and then obviously Brewers are in first place in the NL Central. So, uh, pretty cool. The Brewers. I mean, finally, we don't have to see the Cubs or Cardinals on uh, on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. I feel like they've been on like nine times this year. So cool for them to get that slotted over. Might be a fun game for us to uh, go take in to keep that up. And tough scene for Dancing with the Stars manager not being able to be on national TV anymore, so he can't uh, continue to increase his product. But yeah, it's uh, I'm glad. I, I wouldn't. I would guess if we continue to play well, we're going to get more than just the, the White Sox game flex. To be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now that we it kind of came up naturally, I guess, obviously, this is a Brewers podcast, but um, I think we could talk about the Cubs for a couple minutes here uh, as being our uh, biggest rival, um, kind of the competition for the division the last couple of years. Um, looks like they're poised for a pretty franchise altering sell off right now, boys. Um they lost, I think, 11 straight before winning a couple um, before the All-Star break. Uh, but they're, uh, they're in a downward spiral, <laughs> um, and it's a pleasure to see. We killed them. That game where they scored seven in the first, and we <laughs> came all the way back and put up, what, 14 unanswered, 15 unanswered? Yeah. Um, we killed them. We literally killed the Cubs. And, you know, we sit here and – we're all respectful fans and, you know, Cubs fans are obviously very knowledgeable and they never leave and they pay our bills, but God damn it. Is it so fucking awesome watching them trot out all their all-stars, Javi, Javi, sweet tags, Baez coming out there swinging at pitches eight feet out of the zone. Fucking God, was that series so much fun. I had that game on in the back of while I was working and they put up seven in the first and, Ashby's first start, which fans don't panic on Ashby. He's going to be an absolute stud. Don't worry about him. It was just kind of a snowball thing. But watching us come all the way back and Adamas hitting that fucking slam and slapping his chest and cocking off to whoever was playing center. God, that just brings absolute life to me. Um, couldn't happen to a better organization. Just couldn't happen to a better organization. Fucking Dom, all you guys out there, you don't have to leave. You can come pay our bills. Come watch a fucking team win a division while you guys are starting. Fucking, you're bringing back Darwin Barney to play second base because you sold off your entire team. 
Yeah, I I think they got to trade them. I think if I'm a Cubs fan, I'm rooting for them to sell everyone, basically. Um, I think you probably re-sign Rizzo. I don't know if a rebuilding team, if it even makes sense for them to splurge on Chris Bryant. I know there's a faction of Cubs fans that is like extend Chris, like he could be a part of the next good Cubs team. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a tricky spot. Uh, if they pay Baez, though, I will I will cry of laughter. I mean, you just can't pay that guy that much money. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun to see. I mean, yeah, that 15-7 game was electric. His walk percentage might be 1.8%. So I just – I don't know how you give a, a guy $200 million for the way his approach is at the point. After their hot start, their month of June and July – of half of July was so, so bad. I mean, if you go, we did this the other day and I should honestly pull up some of these numbers, but um, they're like statistically three of the worst hitters in baseball the last like six weeks, Rizzo, Bryant and Baez. Um, so the, the Chris Bryant MVP takes that were uh, roaming around until like mid-May um, have been very quiet as of late. Very, very quiet. And that daunted Cubs bullpen. We're scared of Rex Brothers, fucking Ryan Tapera, Chafin, Andrew Chafin. <laughs> the only person that you'll ever be worried about in that pen is Craig Kimbrell. I don't care how many scoreless innings they threw in a row in the middle of May. Don't give a damn. That bullpen is not a competing bullpen. You knew regression was coming. You knew <laughs> regression was coming there. It'll be interesting, too, because it's like <clears throat> outside of Kimbrell, I don't think many of those guys aren't going to return. Their return value isn't going to be like huge top prospects. Like, right. So you think a couple of years ago for, you know, what I would consider superstar traded players, Manny Machado is the first one that comes to my head. The Orioles got five flyer prospects for him for, for rentals. And all those guys are rentals. So outside of K Craig Kimbrell and maybe KB, just because of he's, a, you know, he still can be that MVP type player. It's not like, trading two months of bias is going to net you a top 100 prospect. Um, so it's like, yeah, I think they do need to flip those guys for depth, but it's not like they're going to be getting, you know, uh, Austin Martin from the blue Jays or anything like that. So. I don't even know what bias, like, like what his trade worth is. So you just hard guy to predict. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can trade for two months of one of the worst shortstops in baseball or the best one. You're just right. Because that's the thing is like some when he's hitting the ball, he is arguably one of the best hitters in baseball because he barrel he barrels a lot. It's just that he yeah. strikes out so much. Yeah. Yeah. So you hate to see that Cardinals struggling too. I mean, for a team that the the national media crowned as NL Central champions, the second they got Nolan Arenado, um, they just haven't put it together. Uh, their guys aren't like Goldie is not having that great of a year. Um, obviously Flaherty going down hurts them. Same with Michaelis, uh, but their pitching isn't anything to be scared of. Um, honestly, the Reds, I mean, it's easy to say after they just took three out of four of us, but uh, it's not comfortable playing the Reds, I think is the easy, easiest way to put it. Like their offense puts pressure on you constantly. They have some big boppers. Um, and then their, their pitching, their starting pitching is solid. Um, where you can attack them is their, their bullpen. But, um, you know, when we go into a red series, I just view it as a coin toss kind of, I mean, we're the better team, but they're, they're pretty solid. 
Right. If their offense is hot, it's hard for other offenses to keep up with them. I don't know if they have the pitching to withstand, you know, the full season, or even if they do get into the playoffs, it's very hard with the way that current rotation and bullpen set up. But yeah, I mean, in the Reds credit, the very, I wouldn't say, I mean, he's obviously a star and he's, I think he's got one of the best wars this year, but when he was a free agent two years ago, Nick Castellanos was kind of on the market for a long time. And I think he got like a four year, like 70 ish million dollar deal. It wasn't some massive deal. I think it was like maybe like 18 to 20 AAV per year. That's an absolute steal with what he's done for the Reds the last two years. And I know going to great American has helped that, but he is an absolute superstar and you know, they're not paying him. I would say what his current value is definitely lower than that. Yeah, man. He's got like a 970 OPS, 18 homers. <laughs> he's hitting 331, which in the year 2021 is like 400. Right. Any he, other killed, he killed us this weekend too. Had a big three run home run on Saturday that kind of separated it and then had the big hit on Sunday too. Dude, that's where some of those, uh, like those terrible contracts that Theo handed out before he pieced with the Cubs. Like if they didn't have Hayward on that deal, they would have easily spent, and they still probably should have. And like they loved Castellanos there, right. and they didn't re-sign him because they're paying they're paying a couple hundred million dollars to Jason Hayward. Well, I will say in my defense, and this is uh, just tying because you mentioned Jason Hayward, and this was me taking things too far. I think I said, "Oh no, we have Jason Hayward" in reference to Christian Yelich. So. Uh, I don't think Yelich's contract's that bad yet, but um, if he ever gets to Jason Hayward territory, we're going to have major issues within this organization. <laughs> yeah, don't even say that, dude. <laughs> don't, don't say that. I, can I just make – I just want to jump back to the Cubs quick. I know you guys are talking about since, like, June 1st, um, about Javier Baez and just the Cubs in general. Um, just listen to these names that are ranked higher than uh, Javier Baez since June 1st on the Cubs. Uh, you got Nico Horner. He's been hurt, so his numbers are kind of inflated a little bit because he only has six games. But Rafael Ortega coming in, their second-best hitter. Uh, Eric Sogard, number three. And uh, Jake Marisnik, uh also ranked ahead of Javier Baez. So I think that's all That's all that needs to be said about that. I mean, Eric Sogard is your fucking third-best third hitter, according to Fangraphs. You just <laughs> fell off. Dude, they're going to sell off and we're going to be playing them in September games and we're like fighting for a spot against, you know, what seating and Eric, they're going to roll Eric Solgard in the three hole. He's going to be. There. <laughs> and then he's going to come in relief. <laughs> and then his, wife, his wife's going to be bitching about some conspiracy theories on Twitter and come back and be bitching about that fucking aliens and, you know, invading us or something. While our is it, uh, uh, this is, I'm, I'm completely changing the topic. I don't know why I just thought of this, but isn't our most likely playoff opponent the Mets? Yeah. Um, because the you'd think the NL West winner will probably have the best record in the league. And then they would play the winner of the wildcard game, which is two wild NL West teams, right? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why I just thought of that, but. That'd be that'd be something to look forward to. Obviously, game one in that Mets series would be tough, but you would think that we would have the edge, like betting wise, as favorites as in the remainder games. Yeah, it would be some fun pitching matchups. I guess Tywin Walker's an all-star. They got Strowman, but yeah, that, I got way ahead of myself there for a second, just daydreaming of playoff baseball, Woody DeGrom game one. <laughs> it'd be some fun stuff. I, I'm not holding out. 
I'm not losing hope though with the amount of West games that they will have between San Francisco, LA and San Diego. Hopefully they can beat up on each other and the Reds can fall off and we can just win some games and get to some, you know, maybe upper nineties and who knows, maybe we have a chance for the one seed. Cause it's like LA is going to have a tough schedule with playing San, even, and San Francisco. Do you even want the one seed though? Cause then you're probably matching up against either the Dodgers or Padres. It, Cause the winner of the wild card game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the Dodgers or Padres will win the division. I can't see San Francisco holding right. them off. So but maybe the off chance that the Giants win that wild card game. That would right. be the best case scenario. <laughs> right. And honestly, to me, for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's just because our success against them. Some part of me is still not afraid of San Diego. And maybe that's just like because of the success that we've had against them. And I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, Pitching always rises in the playoffs. And if you're looking at the Mets pitching staff versus San Diego's pitching staff, give me San Diego's pitching staff. Give me fucking Blake Snell in game two. And, you know, like you Darvish is really the only guy in that rotation that I'm afraid of. Right. Like Paddock's been struggling. Um, uh, Lament always hurt. And there's, they're still starting that rookie Ryan Weathers, I think. Yep. Yeah, he might have had an option recently. But, yeah, that's what I mean. So, so that's what I mean. You look at that rotation compared to, like, a DeGrom, Stroman, Walker type thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That'll be fun fun storylines to keep an eye on, too. Um, cool. Let's, uh, let's talk about the MLB draft. Um, uh, first off, MLB, I mean, they're always just, like, tripping over their own feet. I have no idea – why they have the draft on the Sunday of the NBA finals. Um, but is that like the bar yesterday trying to follow along with the Brewers draft as the Bucks got ready to play in the championship? It was like, dude, do it. Start it on Monday, like at six o'clock, do the first couple rounds and then have the home run derby, like make it a full night of baseball. I don't know. There's just so many different ways they could have done that. Um, with that being said, uh, I think the Brewers had a pretty fun draft. Um, we can go through some of the, the top picks and notes on some other guys, but um, Brewers draft, uh, Sam Freelich with the number one pick, um, first pick in the first, <laughs> I can't talk, the 15th pick in the first round. Um, what, uh, what takes do you have on that? I know, Mitch, you did some research on, on Freelich. He's an outfielder from Boston College. Yeah, so he was actually, I think MLB Pipeline had him as their 10th best prospect or 11th, 10th or 11th. Um, and he is pretty much your pretty much prototypical guy that we've been drafting over the last couple of years. And I tweeted something about this from the account um, today, actually, or it might have been yesterday. It's very apparent where the Brewers draft strategy has gone. It's always up the middle, whether it's shortstop, second baseman, you know, center fielder. Um, and guys that have elite bat to ball skills. And what I mean by that is <clears throat> guys that aren't showing raw potential or have this high ceiling where you can see their pop or their flashy plays, but have this, you know, strikeout trend because it's apparent as you climb through the minor league system, it's only inevitable that your K percentage is going to climb. So it seems like they're trying to limit that exposure. And Sam Freelich is, is one of those guys, I think this last year before he had gotten hurt, um, he had walked more times than he had struck out. Um, I think he was close to like a 400 hit or not that average really means anything anymore in the ACC before he had got hurt. 
but he's this tiny, fast dude. I think MLB Pipeline rated his speed as 70 um, with, you know, just elite bat-to-ball skills. They talked about him, you know, maybe he doesn't have the power potential that some of the other guys do, but that was pretty much the same write-up as Garrett Mitchell. And look what Garrett Mitchell's doing. Um, so it seems like yeah. he's like a smaller version of Garrett Mitchell, which um, at this point seems to be working out. So um, really pleased with that first round pick and kind of dreaming of a free like Mitchell Yelich outfield in a couple of years. Um, sounds, sounds tasty. Yeah. Yeah, man. Everything you read on him um, heralded as a terrific defensive player in center field, a spark plug at top of the lineup, contact guy, um, high character. So uh pretty fun guy to keep an eye on from from here on out and like you said a lot of lot of talent in that outfield for the the next handful of years here um then the the brewers had a comp pick too so they got tyler black who was a second baseman from wright state uh 33rd overall um and this seems like a straight hit tool uh type selection as he what Profiles as a second baseman probably will have to stay there. Um, no, not a shortstop, but uh, any thoughts on on Tyler Black from Wright State? He dominated the Horizon League this last year. Boss, do you have anything on him first before I give my recap? Uh, I mean, nothing too specific. I mean, I've just been kind of diving in, just like kind of checking out their stats um, from all our like 100 picks that we had so far. Um, I mean, I think you kind of already hit the, hit the nail on the head. I mean, all these guys, like all their K percentages, like 14 and below outside of Wes Clark, which we just drafted. But yeah, like, I think that's a common, yeah, that's a, just like a common theme. That's, I mean, I think it's pretty interesting that you picked up on that, like super quick. So I think it's yeah. the game's kind of moving to a different, uh, at least the Brewers uh, kind of draft choice. They're moving to a kind of different, uh, different yeah. wavelength. And I think Black has a 60 hit tool, according to MLB.com. Um, I mean, they say this, they say that, uh, he masterfully controls the strike zone from the left side of the plate, making regular hard contact while drawing plenty of walks six foot two. He was able to hit 15 homers a year at Wright state hitter friendly ballpark, but, um, he, Oh, get this. Um, this is a good tidbit on him. Uh, he doubled in both at bats against Kumar rocker on opening day against Vanderbilt. So, um, you know, anyone that's worried that he's a Horizon League guy, obviously they, they play a pretty tough schedule there. And he proved it off the number 10 overall pick, Rocker, uh, hitting two doubles off of him. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah he, he had a little bit more power potential than I think Freelich did. They said just based upon um, his swing and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's apparent that the, like, Lewis Brinson type drafts early in the first round, those guys that have, like, the ceiling five-tool players. but have Like Joe um, Gray. Right, exactly. I mean, even though Joe's having a great year, he's been yeah. one of the better minor league hitters. It just seems like we are going away from that. And I think that's something that I don't, I haven't picked it up with other organizations, but it's just apparent that we are valuing high floors, which it makes sense because of the way we just value depth in the way that we use 50, 60, 70 guys throughout the year. I think Stearns is looking at it as like, a, okay, like this guy's a floor major leaguer regardless of maybe he doesn't have the ceiling of some of these other guys, but he's just taking the risk out of it, knowing how long MLB seasons are and the amount of guys that need to contribute where, and, you know, we're not a big market team, so we're not going to be able to afford the, you know, massive 
contract type thing. So, okay, you know, we may not be the best team one to 26, but one to 40, one to 50, one to 60, our depth um, it has proven to, to have success over the last couple of years. So it seems like we're starting to draft that way too, which is really cool. So I think you'll start seeing a lot of our draft picks turn into MLB talent, regardless of what their ceiling is. Yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> you hit it right there. And I, and the last couple of years, um, I mean, we've been all college players. I mean, how many high schoolers do we even take today? Um, do we just a couple, right? Yeah, I don't think we took our first one to like the fifth or sixth round. Our first three or our first four picks for sure were all college guys. Right. So I think I don't know, and I I mentioned this, and who knows that this is even how they're thinking. But um, with the Brewers pitching and the way the contracts line up, um, I think you know, it's safe to say that we're kind of looking for college talent that can reach the major leagues quicker and be a part of some of these world series contending teams when needed. Um, you know, Mitchell will be up within, you know, end of next year, or the year after that early on. Um, and who knows how fast some of these other guys, uh, pretty experienced, like junior college guys um, could, could really make a name for themselves quickly. Um, and then uh Pretty cool story with the third, the third pick, or no, not not the third pick, but um, we'll go right into it though. Uh, Alex Benellis, uh, is that how you say his last name? I think so. I didn't hear a pronunciation today, but that's would be my guess. Yeah, so big bad out of Louisville, um, actually from Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Uh, so pretty awesome to get him. Uh, he's a a big power guy. I mean, we were we were throwing some YouTube videos back and forth. Um, he also hit a monster home run off of Kumar uh, yeah, years ago, um, which is funny. We're just drafting guys that rank against Kumar. Um, but pretty cool uh, video on Twitter, hit crying with his dad after he got drafted. Pretty emotional. Um, got picked by his hometown team. So do uh, you have any uh, any notes on him? I mean, he, <laughs> Buss said it best. He's a big old swamp donkey, just hits dingers. So love that term when Buss says that. <laughs> yeah dude his uh um i mean just kind of touching on like the cool story part uh i think they were saying he was at the he's been at like several brewers games over the past like yeah. past like three or four weeks and, and like in his bio on his college thing his favorite teams are all are packers brewers bucks so that's fucking crazy man i mean good for him he talked happy, to ha happy to have him yeah, I know he talked about, and I think Will Salmon caught it in maybe one of his articles or Adam had retweeted something, but he said growing up, like he would go to <clears throat> Miller Park and just watch Ryan Braun hit absolute tanks. And he like said he would always have vision someday of playing in Miller Park now, MFAM, of kind of doing what Braun did. And he has every opportunity too. When you look at our farm system, you look at where we struggle with developing or where we just don't have talent and it's our corner infielders. We don't have a top corner infield prospect. So hopefully Alex can be that guy that we've kind of been missing. I know Ursig was drafted a couple of years ago. We hoped he would be that guy. And now we transitioned him into a pitcher because he just hasn't worked out. So um, the fact that Alex has seen some top talent, you know, playing in the ACC, obviously he's had success off of Kumar. He has that big pop that we're kind of missing. Hopefully he's kind of that corner infielder that, that we've been long waiting for um, to come to the farm. Yeah. And I think he was a first round talent that, that he had a shortened year with uh, some injuries, uh, handmade injury, it looks like. But um, a couple of fun facts here. He led, according to Rhapsodo data, which is like 
college baseball stat cast basically at uh, stadiums that use it. I think a lot of the power five schools, um, but he led all of collegiate hitters and maximum distance on his home runs um, and had the top exit velocity out of all the hitters as well. Uh, so he averaged 98 miles per hour off the bat um, and then 109 topped out at. So the guy hits the ball hard. So we got Joey Gallo. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's, that's the ceiling. Um, another thing, yeah, he said, uh, growing up in Milwaukee, watching a lot of Brewer games, all I want to do is bring a World Series to Milwaukee. That's what he's going to think about as he grinds through the farm system every workout that he goes through. So you love, love seeing quotes like that. Uh, and then I skipped over this one, uh, but you talk about swamp donkeys and big ass dudes. Um, round two, 51st overall, Russell Smith, lefty from TCU. This dude is six foot nine, 240 pounds. Um, uh, kind of funny because he doesn't throw incredibly hard, but uh, I mean, he had an unbelievable collegiate career. Um, so you guys have anything on, on him? I know Mitch, you did some research today on him. Yeah, he, so yeah, it's interesting. And I wonder if there's some velocity to be had there, especially once we get him into David's lab, there's a lot of guys that come out of there throwing a hundred in the balls, moving eight feet. So maybe that's something they can find with him, but he has a plus changeup as well, which is huge because when you have that size and that length, when you can pretty much release it where it feels like it's being released, you know, in the grass, that changeup plays, there were some, some pretty nasty changeups going around on, on Twitter. Um, but he's going to be one of those very fun guys to watch. He's kind of the, you know, I think he will become, if he ends up turning into what they're hoping, he will be a pitching niche favorite because he is a very emotional pitcher. There were some times where he was absolutely yelping after strikeouts, just full out, you know, red face, vein coming out of his neck, screaming at hitters. So um, I could see him potentially, you know, pitching some high leverage spots down the stretch when the Cubs are still in a rebuild, when we look to, you know, knock them out of the playoffs in June because they're already selling again, um, screaming at uh, Nico Horner or something like that. So uh, looking forward to him developing too. Get his ass to the lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, I have one more note on the draft and then you guys can go with any other takeaways from the, the picks five through 10. Um, but uh, Brewers got Zach Robbie, um, second baseman from Minnesota in the eighth round. Want to brought that up, uh, bring that up because I actually signed him when I worked up for the Green Bay Booyah uh, to come play in Green Bay for the summer. And uh, he was awesome when he was there. He actually ended up getting hurt that summer, but uh, dude's a gamer. Um, he's another guy that had more walks and strikeouts this year in 36 games. Um, he walked 20 times and struck out 17, hit like 320. Um, nothing insane in the power department, but he's just a really, really good hitter. Uh, so um, really good dude too. So it's, uh, it's kind of cool to see. I think it was uh, the first Green Bay Booyah alum to get drafted. Uh, so pretty cool that he's going to the Brewers too. You guys have uh, anything else on these other guys? I can just kind of list them off here, uh, read through the the picks. But we got a shortstop from Duke, um, Ethan Murray, another college bat. Um, we got a uh, JUCO arm, McLennan Community College in the fourth round, Logan Henderson. Carlos Rodriguez, uh, Florida Southwestern State College. Round seven, we got Tristan Peters from Southern Illinois University Carbondale. That's a, that's a university right there. 
Fun fact, he's Canadian, just like Tyler Black, the second round pick. So Brewers pick up a couple Canadians the last couple of days. And then Brennan Jordan from South Carolina, a collegiate pitcher. Um, he actually threw in the Northwoods League too for the Eau Claire Express. Was an all-star in the Northwoods with uh, a 174 ERA and 28 strikeouts. Um, so he's he's a little inconsistent, it says here, but he throws 95 to 98. Uh, with a pretty good curveball and looks like he's going to be a reliever in pro ball. Um, and then boss, you kind of mentioned him, uh, Wes Clark, South Carolina catcher. Um, he had 23 home runs, uh, struck out a ton, uh, but a catcher with a whole lot of pop hitting 23 bombs in the sec is no joke. So you guys have any, anything else on, on the draft? I mean, it's always fun to, to draft these guys, follow them along for the rest of the year and, uh, you know, have them be a part of the farm system. Right. There is one thing I do want to touch on before we kind of move away from the draft. And it's actually non-brewer related, but it's more so a shout out to um, the way Wisconsin has kind of been put on the map for a high school baseball talent. Uh, the Twins with the 36 pick this year took Noah Miller, a shortstop from Ozaki. Um, and that's, it was a trend that kind of started a couple of years ago um, when Gavin Lux got drafted in the first round, obviously Kellenick's one of the best prospects in baseball. We'll see a lot of him. Um, ben, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, Roosevelt, I think potentially. Uh, he's a twins catcher, high school kid from Verona. So it seems like um, baseball is starting to be discovered in this sport, which is awesome because uh, we can give a plug now to uh one of our co-hosts, uh, Mr. Hansen, his younger brother, is uh, starting to, to break into the college circuit. I know he's in high school and starting to, to, to get some noise. So um, it's just kind of cool to see uh, Wisconsin starting to get the respect it's kind of deserved because there's a lot of good baseball talent up here. Um, so it's cool to kind of see uh, kids get rewarded with being drafted early in the MLB draft. Yeah, all those monster like indoor facilities like Hitters Academy and Kenosha, Sticks Academy, GRB and Madison – um like isa and green bay like those massive indoor complexes are a big time difference maker i don't think it's any secret that uh once those started going up the the first round talent started coming around <laughs> very much so uh cool uh we got anything else i mean we have the the all-star break so brewers have five guys going uh hater woodruff burns and then freddie and omar get the nod um as reserves uh, Woodruff won't be pitching in the game, um, but Freddie was able to take his spot and deservedly so. Uh, pretty cool that he's going back to Coors Field. First all-star appearance, the the place where he threw his first career game on Mother's Day. Um, that's a fun story. And he was genuinely happy in his uh, interviews that I saw. Um, and he's just a great guy to root for. So happy for Freddie to get the nod there. Can we talk about how ridiculous it was that they initially gave the spot to Yachty before Omar? <laughs> I saw statistically Omar literally has him beaten every stat outside of them being tied for like RBIs or something like that. Um, and <clears throat> it's, it's like part of me is like, oh, it's just a popularity contest, different things like that. But the reality of it is, is these guys use that 
for their contract negotiations to like, Hey, I was an all-star for two years or different things like that. So it's like when that type of money, especially for a guy like Omar, who hasn't been paid yet, he's still going through arbitration for him to get an all-star this year. And if he comes back around next year and is an all-star next year, that's a huge contract chip for him to be like, Hey, I've been an all-star the last two years. So it's like, yeah, I get it's a popularity contest, but there's actually meaningful implications behind this. So it was frustrating to see Yachty get it. Um, so I'm glad, you know, whether, you know, Yachty declined it because of rest or whatever, I'm glad Omar finally got in. I feel like MLB, like, and I saw people joking around on Twitter too. Um, like they, this like legacy Yachty, like tour has been going on for like four years now. <laughs> like they gave him like his token 10th appearance. I wonder if they just like tossed it to him knowing that he would decline and then they would give it to Omar. So Yachty could get his 10th all-star game. <laughs> it seems like something they would do. Who, who knows? I mean, it's not a huge deal. It was just funny. I was like, of course, they're going to give it to Yachty over Omar. But uh, ultimately, they got in. Um, but, yeah, man, it'll be fun to watch the, the Brewers on the national stage having that many guys in the game. Agreed. <clears throat> so we follow this weekend with uh, the Reds again. Um, so I guess we, we have a handful of minutes here in the pod. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to touch on, uh, before we, we wrap things up? I got to jump off here quick. Um, my kid's screaming, but, uh, I'm just going <laughs> to leave you guys with this. My hot take to end the pod. Christian Yelch is going to lead the team in home runs by the end of the year. So <laughs> feel, feel free to elaborate on that. It's heat. And, uh, take. I'm curious. I'll definitely listen tomorrow and see what your guys' hot takes are, but I got to go with my boy Yelly. He's only, what, 11 behind? Yeah. He is so. 11 behind, Avi. Yep. It's a good week. A good week. <laughs> I love that take, Bus. We will uh, we will talk about it for a few minutes. Go get the uh, – go get right, your fellas. See you, Bus. We can, yeah, we can end with our one hot take for the second half. Hanson, you can go first. Oh, man. Um, Bus just had a pretty good one there. Man, what is a hot take? Here's a hot take. I don't even know if it's hot, but I think uh, I think the Brewers make a massive move at the trade deadline. Massive as in surprise you with uh, Jose Barrios, surprise you with the Joey Gallo. I'm talking like that level of talent in return. I think we uh, are a part of a blockbuster in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I wouldn't put that past David at all, especially with the way the team's kind of shaping up. Yeah, and you think, like, there's not even a glaring a glaring weakness at this point um, where you can kind of shift it. You can kind of buy into going and get that stud like Jose Barrios. Um, it would be interesting to see if, uh, if that's an option or um, even, like, Trey Mancini, who's in the home run derby right now, um, Joey Gallo. I mean, he's, he's got like, he's also in the Derby tonight, but he's got like a three and a half war. Um, and I saw uh, John Christensen on Twitter um, tweet a theoretical trade that I want to talk about for a second. Um, I think he had the Brewers getting Gallo for um, Ashby. Uh, man, what was it? Uh, there's a, there's three guys. Maybe it was Ashby, Tarang and someone else. And I was curious, like, what would you give for a Joey Gallo package? 
Like, would you be comfortable throwing Ashby in there? I think they would ask for him because <clears throat> I think they, it sounded like the Rangers didn't have lefties in their farm. So it was kind of like a thing that they were asking for. I'd probably give up Keston too. Um, yeah, I, Keston. I'm sorry. Yeah. Keston was, Keston was a part of that deal. I think it was like Keston, Terang, and Ashby. And I think Terang's pretty much good as gone with the way Adonis yeah. has kind of, you know, cemented himself with the years that we have. I really think that Mitchell is the only guy at this point that I would be hesitant to give up. But if you're getting a guy like Gallo, I think I would even come to peace with giving up Mitchell. I, I don't know if I would give the rest of those pieces then because Mitchell is going to be – I think Mitchell is on his way to trending to a top 20 prospect in baseball by the time he gets yeah. up. Just because, I mean, you look at the way he's climbing and stuff. I like saw that. you tweeted at some prospect analysis dude about that. Did he respond to you? he favorited it. So it seemed like he was kind of in agreement with, with that. Cause um, I was kind of interested about that too. Cause don't they usually come out post draft with the, the updated one. rankings? Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed, they've updated it too. So I think when we drafted him, he was 69th. Nice by the way. Um, he's up to like 42 now or something like that, or 48. So oh, really? I would not be shocked if once they update and have the, this year's draft prospects in there, if he's T40, T30, and you know, if he does well in double A by the start of next year, he could be a T30 guy. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, man, if he's, by the time he gets called up that he's in like the top 15. Yeah. I think he's that, that good of a player. Um, so yeah, man, it'll be interesting. We got only a few weeks before the trade deadline. So I think it's July 30th. Yeah. Um, so 18 days. And I think the Brewers are poised to make, uh, you know, for sure some noise and have the potential to make uh, a ton of noise in the, the deadline. Yeah. And I'll end with this. I only have two minutes left. Uh, my hot take for the year is the Brewers will end the year with the best record in baseball. Okay. We all got some. So if we, if all these things happen, the Brewers are going to win the world series. If we make a, if we make a monster deal, we have Yelich turn into MVP Yelich. Obviously that goes hand in hand with having the best record in baseball. So <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but they came out with like an updated uh, MLB futures and the Brewers odds to win the world series. I think they, what did you get them at? Like plus 2,500. Yes. I got like, yeah, I put 50 bucks on them to win like, $2,400. Yeah. I think they're up to like plus 700 because to win the NL they're like plus 450 or plus 500. So they have, it's, it seems like Vegas is really liking the way the Brewers are trending. So. Yeah. And I mean, every analysis on like MLB today or tonight, um, everyone always says that, you know, no one wants to see the Brewers with the way their arms set up. So yeah, man, it's going to be a fun second half. Um, you know, watching the first place ball club chase down the pennant again. Um, and yeah, man, we'll, we'll be back next weekend. Talk about the red series, all-star game results. And if anything else happens, but, uh, until then let's, uh, let's cook. Let's cook. Nobody on the road, nobody on the beach.